Today on a new and factory refurbished repair radio, we're gonna tell you how to care for your laptop's battery so that it lasts longer, why function keys are slowly dying, and also we'll be answering some burning repair questions. So stick around. Hello everyone, and welcome to Repair Radio, the official iFixit podcast. I'm Craig Lloyd, joined alongside Kevin Purdy and Whitson Gordon. Hey, fellas. Hey, how's it going? So, guys, uh, Repair Radio is back. Repair Radio took a brief hiatus a couple months ago. Going forward, most episodes will be pre-recorded and audio only, but we will still continue to do YouTube live streams every now and then, so those aren't going away entirely. And we'll still be put those YouTube live streams are still going to be going to the podcast feed that people are subscribed to right now, correct? Yes. Cool. It's all one thing. Beautiful. Now, since this is the first episode of the Repair Radio reboot with new hosts, we thought it would be a good idea to introduce ourselves first and talk about what we do at iFixit and how we got started fixing things. So, Whitson, we'll start with you. Hey, uh, I'm Whitson. Um, I am an editor at iFixit, and um, most of my career was really spent fixing software rather than hardware. Uh, I was at Lifehacker for a few years and HowToGeek for a few years after that. Um, but I, I do a lot of hardware stuff too. I love building computers, um, upgrading my existing gear to save money because I'm a cheapskate, um, and scrapping tech for parts when it inevitably breaks down beyond repair. Um, I, I will admit since this is the first step, I'm, I'm going to admit that I'm secretly scared of fixing phones um, after a really terrible <laughs> screen repair a few years back. But I'm going to be pulling a battery replacement on two, not one, but two phones next week. So yeah, um, Woo. yeah, I'm. Uh, that's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's me. Awesome, Kevin. Hello. Uh, I, like Whitson, uh, actually mostly started off kind of tinkering with software and stuff. Uh, Whitson and I actually worked together at Lifehacker for a little while there. When I was um, a lowly intern. <laughs> when Whitson was a, a lowly intern. Um, very, very bright-faced and bushy-tailed. I think that's... <laughs> I almost said it the other way. That hasn't changed. Yeah, no, he's still very energetic and loud. Um, but mostly uh, software stuff until I kind of got a uh, bicycle kick uh, a couple of years back because... I wanted to powder coat my bike and make it a really old like junker bike and make it look really cool. Um, I didn't realize that meant like literally tearing everything, including the spokes out of it. So I was forced to learn how to fix the bike so that I could have a bike again. Um, besides that, I'd just done some kind of fixing over the years, like MacBook battery and stuff like that. But then um, started here uh, at iFixit back in April. And ever since then, I've kind of been on the jumping in as deep as I can. Uh, I've replaced a Chromebook battery uh, removed the right protect screw from it and wrote a whole guide to doing that for other people. I uh, did a Pixel C, little sad tablet screen swap. That's a long I feel story. like we could do an entire episode on just that screen swap and the saga <laughs> that ensued. Like, that was such a thing. Yeah, it involved water damage and just, like, my weird, my, my Seabiscuit-esque tendencies to try to save things that aren't worth saving. Uh, replacing a Pixel <laughs> 2 battery, uh, friend, blah, 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 blah. I, I've done a bunch of fixing since then. I have completely busted my wife's favorite laptop trying to do a fix I should have tried to do. So I'm learning. Uh, but that's that's where I'm at. I'm becoming, becoming better at hardware, but still thinking about software a lot. You know, at least you're breaking other people's stuff instead of your own. Yeah, but I live with that other wrong. person. <laughs> 
I literally took their favorite laptop covered in their favorite stickers and was like, I tried to fix the keyboard and it turns out it's riveted to the case. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, always read the whole guide before you jump in. All right. So I'm Craig. Uh, I began working at iFixit back in March. Uh, we all started. We all started working uh, around the same time. Um, yes, because that's when the, that's when the editorial team formed. Yep, all part of forming the editorial team and uh, launching the new front page of iFixit.com. Yes. I started getting into repair, uh, fixing stuff about four years ago when my wife and I bought a house for the first time, and that'll I, do it. Yeah, I didn't want to. Whenever something broke, I didn't want to like call a guy and like pay hundreds of dollars, you know, to have it fixed. Um, so I sort of forced myself to learn how to fix anything that broke in our house. Uh, I replaced our water heater. I replaced uh, my most. I think my most interesting repair was replacing the draft inducer motor in our furnace. Um, I think the HVAC guy quoted me like almost $500 to replace, to replace that. And I ended up just going on to supplyhouse.com, shout out to supplyhouse and, uh, bought a new motor. I think it was like a hundred bucks and, uh, did it in about 30 minutes. And, uh, I felt really good afterwards. This is a good feeling. It, yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, after getting more comfortable with, uh, DIY home repairs, I moved on to doing my own vehicle maintenance uh, and pretty much anything else that needed fixed or maintained, I would do myself. So I guess in that case, I would consider myself a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Because um, I feel like I know a little about a lot, but whatever I don't know, I'll try my hardest to learn more about it so that I can, you know, hopefully fix it. And then write an accompanying iFixit guide for it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've also done a handful of repairs on electronics, uh, screens, buttons, cameras on iPhones and, and the like, um, upgrading MacBooks, iMacs, all that sort of stuff. And I wrote our Game Boy Teardown, so you should go check that out. It's awesome. <laughs> 30th anniversary, sorry, it is the 30th anniversary of the Game Boy today, yesterday? July 31st was the 30th anniversary of the North American release. Ah, Oh, uh, I was going to yeah. say, because everyone was doing their Game Boy stuff like a month or two ago, which is when yes. we did that teardown. And I was like, why did it all of a sudden come back? So it was the yeah. Japanese versus the North American release? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, I think it. The, its first ever release was April 21st, I want to say. In, in Japan. Japan. Yeah. Yeah. We're very US-centric, even in our anniversary dates. Yeah. We're like, well, it didn't <laughs> exist to us, so have another party. Yeah. Well, you I, replaced the, the like screen cover on yours too, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I bought a new plastic little screen cover on eBay, and I even bought a new support number, the phone number sticker. On yeah, the that back. was a nice touch. That's Yeah, that's classic. Yeah. My, the, the plastic w- screen has been missing on mine for approximately 15 years. Missing? Ooh. Oh, yeah, like it fell off and just like disappeared many, many years mm. ago. I n- that, it never occurred to me, like, I had to go home and find it because now I know that I can buy one on eBay and replace it. That'd be baller. <laughs> yeah, um, they're really easy to find. I uh, I just pulled mine out of storage the other day um, and I turned it on with, put new batteries in it, turned it on, and it it loaded and Metroid 2, Return of Samus, uh, booted up, but then there's um like tearing on the sides of the lcd screen so i'm i'm kind of tempted to do my own some some kind of project there but i feel like 
there must be some way to make it like an even better Game Boy now, like less glary or backlit or something. I mean, you could probably put in like a backlit LCD screen. Oh, yeah. There's a whole, there's an entire community of people. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of them. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff for like the advance and the... um, color and doing like a screen swap but yeah i'll i'll dig around we, we let's all tear apart our game boys yeah it's fun stuff if you do it you can do a guide on it at ifixit.com <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> that is a good idea <laughs> all right well with that out of the way let's get right into it and talk about the week's news and the latest on ifixit.com the first thing i want to talk about was uh a post that kevin wrote an open letter to the FTC on Google's banning of repair business ads, which was surprisingly a very popular topic. Yeah, this is crazy. I can't believe that many people actually cared about the way Google is managing its ad business. Like, mm. I'm putting myself to sleep even saying that out loud. But Whitson. Yeah. <laughs> like, but this was crazy, right? Yeah, um, so essentially, if you haven't read it, but you totally should, uh, it's on ifixit.com. It's an open letter to the FTC on Google's banning of repair business ads. You can probably just Google ifixit FTC. It's going to be in the show notes that we're posting on the website. That is also true. That'll be in the description of this podcast. Yeah. um, Bro, do you even podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, the shortest podcast version I can give of this story is that um, a while ago, Google tried to make an effort to ban the kind of scummy uh, software ads you see, like fake support ads where, like, your PC is infected, uh, you know, speed up your Windows laptop with, you know, these three tricks and, um, you know, click here. And then eventually you end up installing spyware or giving them $60 for nothing or something. Um, In doing so and creating this kind of blanket policy, Google also effectively banned repair uh, repair shops or repair services from advertising too because the language is so broad it said third-party technical support services uh, so lots of repair shops that you know we know and folks we don't know of were kind of uh coming out of the woodwork to say like hey i like i used to spend hundreds of dollars on google ads a month and now i just can't and you know google's response is like sorry you're, you're offering third-party technical support uh that's no longer allowed under our uh serv- our ad policy so um there, they claimed that there was going to be a verification program so that, you know, good shops could actually uh, get through, but that hasn't happened. And instead, you know, just uh, these companies can't do anything about it. And uh, it was like Whitson's, a year ago that they promised that, right? October 2018. October 2018, they said they were going to start the policy change. And then in August after that, they said, we're going to do a policy. Um, the main thing, though, is that, you know, yeah, so what? You can't do Google ads, go to Facebook, go to Bing, whatever. But, I mean, really, as we all know, Google is, like, the verb for looking for something. Uh, and <laughs> it, also, like, you know, repair shops, especially, you know, those that operate by mail order online, you know, they got to catch customers where they are, which is, you know, at that exact moment looking for a phone repair or a screen repair or something. So um, if you can't advertise, then that means that the only things that show up are, like, the three google maps results that google just chooses to show you and there's not really any kind of science to figuring out which ones they show you uh and then also just like google search results which as we all know are a pure meritocracy that can't be gamed or <laughs> gamed or ginned up or any other kind of manipulation google's robots haven't been drunk for three years or anything <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah and then if you read the post you'll you'll get to read about i fix its own experience with this we don't even offer to fix devices for people we just show them how and yet uh, Google's kind of 
uh, automaton approach to this topic meant that we were banned for a little while too. So. Well, was, we were banned because we had a section of the site that would recommend a repair shop to you. If there was a repair that you didn't feel comfortable doing yourself or whatever, like you could look up uh, repair shops in our database. Is that what yeah, it was? Exactly. Something like that? Yep, exactly. And, yeah. and that, that, that caused them to say, well, technically that means you're offering third-party support. So, um, Which is you know, redonkulous. Well, it's weird that Google will actually go so far as to look at your site if they want to ban you. <laughs> like yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll really dig in deep if they can. Um, but yeah, so that was that was something and I talked to some repair shops about it and it's it's just weird it's like and then you know uh, journalists have been calling I fix it and asking us to for you know follow up on this story and a bunch of them have tried to reach out to Google and get a quote from them and Google just hasn't responded to any of them well hopefully we lit a fire under Google's patoot I don't know how family friendly this podcast is <laughs> well somewhere north of that but south of Joe Rogan let's say um yeah so that's that's just the weird the, the weirdest thing is just how um i, I guess just the, the the way that Google would in, in, institute this policy and it would go forward and there would be no kind of like consideration of like well what do we do if we get it wrong um there's just no you know cuz like I mean, that's like, the Google way, right? Mm-hmm. It's like right. announce one thing and then a year later just like forget that it exists. Yeah, and you can go throughout your your day to, like using Google Drive and Gmail and everything. But like if you ever stop and it's one of those things where like if you stop running for a moment and you think like if something goes ter- terrifically wrong with my Gmail account, like who do I call? And the answer is nobody. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you can't. Like Google doesn't really have a support mechanism. And so... They might if you're a paying customer. Like if you're a G Suite user, you might have some sort of support. Channel. Yeah, I, don't know how I good mean, it is. That is technically true. But like in terms of like all these Normal repair shops people. getting their yeah or repair shops getting their ads spiked, they just say like, hey, we actually why are did, paying customers? Right. Uh, why did you spike my ads? And the answer is just like policy. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. that's weird. Uh, it, it's it, it's such a big company, big big company. So let me let me ask you something. When you were researching this topic, what? Mm-hmm. What was the most surprising thing you came across? Um, hmm. I guess just probably that. Um, I well, I guess if you look, we did a survey or, or with Repair.org, kind of our partner in pushing the right to repair movement. We um, we did a survey and we asked people. Sorry, my dog is very angry about something behind me. Um, <laughs> we asked, you know, we asked repair shops, "Have your ads been spiked? How much were you spending on Google advertising? What are you going to do?" in lieu of doing this Google advertising. And I was really surprised at how many of them, um, instead of doing what you'd think they'd say, which is like, we're moving to Facebook, we're moving to Bing, we're gonna advertise on Yelp. A lot of them were just like, I don't know, I'm gonna pick up referrals, I'm going to start offering customer bounties, I'm going to focus on word of mouth, or even like local advertising. Um, Mm. I I guess so that what the surprising thing is just that like, most people don't consider that there really is any alternative to Google ads. like. You know, Facebook ads, Yelp ads, whatever, like they're just kind of like a remainder to most businesses. Like Google ads really is where they have to get at people who are looking to get something fixed right then. Kevin, you wrote a uh, an awesome post about how to care for your laptop's battery so it lasts longer. Yes. A lot of useful info. um, But I want to know if there's one big thing someone should take away from that what would it be i have four apparently (laughs) (laughs) 
I because everyone had their mother has written this article before, right? Like how you're supposed to take care of your battery. But as right. I was editing this post, I was just like, there were things that shocked me that I had not read in any other article on the subject before. Right. And I think it's because when most people try to give advice on laptop battery, they try to just like be as quote unquote realistic as possible. Where it's like, well, who's really going to do this? But like, okay, so the the big thing is that the the, the zen the zen ideal the 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 three the threefold path of using your laptop perfectly <laughs> is keeping your laptop battery charged between forty and eighty percent, and like that's very hard because generally you either yeah. have your laptop plugged in and it's just sitting there at a hundred pegged and just slowly, you know, trickle charging to keep it at a hundred or you're wandering around, you're in the JetBlue terminal and it's even using your laptop for three and a half hours and it's about to die. Uh, so it's really hard to stay within 40 to 80%, but there are actually some ways you can do that. Um, besides just like th- that range from, um, well, first of all, the reason you're doing that is just because of the way of um, battery chemistry. Uh, when lap when laptop batteries, big batteries are completely full, 100% charged, um, it's worse for their health, especially as they get hot. And Whitson and I got into a weird Twitter conversation, weird and fun Twitter conversation about how gaming laptops are essentially battery killing machines then <laughs> because they're yep. devices you leave plugged in all the time that are running super hot all the time. And I was like, that is true. Gaming laptops are a curse on batteries um but yeah so like but the ideal go ahead bef- before before you give the tip you gotta you gotta explain how much this can affect your battery because that was one oh. of the big shocks to me oh i don't have the well let me see i, don't I have, have number. the numbers in front of me okay <laughs> what's in how much can you l- let's say you can live this life <laughs> let's say you could wake up every morning you know sit in the lotus position charge your laptop <laughs> to 80 percent use it you know, somehow either to forty percent, plug it back in, plug it back in, get it back to eighty, or somehow like keep it hovering between seventy-five to eighty percent. Like, how much could that make my life better with laptop batteries? You the the statistic you used at the beginning of this post is that after two years, this could make like a forty percent difference in your battery's health. Right. Um, the idea being that uh, I think this I think these numbers came from Battery University, which is an awesome site for learning about battery technology. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's an that, often, it's an awesome site full of information about batteries. It's actually yes. kind of hard to navigate and parse, but yes, eh, a little yeah. So if you're just going from like zero to one hundred all the time, um, your battery can make it through like three hundred to five hundred cycles. Right, and that's also for phones. That's pretty much what most manufacturers expect is like 200 to 400 or 300 to 500 cycles for your phone battery. Yeah. Because they assume if, that you're always going to charge that phone to 100 and probably run it down pretty much. Which I do. <laughs> sure. We but now I'm going to try not to. Now I'm going to charge my phone before I go to bed instead of while I'm sleeping. Right, um, but your, your brother who got the exact same laptop at the same exact time, and he's so much smarter than you, though. Right, and if he only charges it to 80%, it, this says it can go from like 850 to 1500 cycles. Right. Which is an a insane lot. difference. I had no <laughs> idea the difference was that huge. Yeah. I, I mean, I knew that there was a difference, but I, I didn't know that that was the case. Um, okay. So yeah, it, that's the most, if, if you had to say one thing, it would be that like how big of a difference it is. If you can always use your laptop between 40 to 80, um, so there are things you can do to do that, even though it seems impossible. Like the really low tech solution is literally time out how long it takes to charge your laptop to 80% um, and set a timer and like, you know, only charge your laptop for that amount of time. Don't leave it plugged in overnight. Stick all the it time. on an outlet timer. 
yeah, there's outlet timers. Um, one person in one of the comments somewhere was like, I set up a Node.js server on my laptop that calls out to the Wemo <laughs> API. And I was like, wow, good for you, man. That's awesome. Um, this sounds this sounds a lot more difficult than just replacing your battery. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so um, then also uh, Sony, Samsung, and Lenovo, certain models of those laptops actually have like a battery tool you can use to limit your your laptop to 80% when it's charging. So that way, like instead of uh, always charging to 100% and then trickle charging from there, um, it will only go to like, only allow the laptop to waver between 75 and 80. And that's, I I literally have a brand new Lenovo laptop to test this out on. So I've, I've set that up and I'm going to see if like, I don't know, when the heat death of the earth occurs, I'm still using this laptop. <laughs> That's that's awesome. Like yes. I had no idea that those software solutions existed. And like obviously, again, like be realistic. If you're going on a long trip, just charge your laptop to 100%. You'd rather right. have that life today than like be 1% better 2 years from now. Um, yeah. well, I guess maybe it's more than 1%, but that one cycle isn't <laughs> going to kill you, you know? Um do it when it makes sense, but if you're just sitting at home, like yeah, charge it to 80%, you can yeah. survive. And also yeah, the low key thing that you don't know about your laptop battery that'll save it forever is uh, just the thermal abuse that you can do to it. Like, don't, I, I'm looking at my MacBook right now. It's literally covered with things. <laughs> so don't do that. Make sure it's actually ventilated that like you haven't stacked a bunch of stuff on top of it or, you know, you've put it on like a pillow or something or your lap because, uh, you know, laptops generate a lot of heat and heat really damages the uh, the life of a battery. Even you think like, oh, well, I'm only spending like 30 minutes on the couch. First of all, you sit down for 30 minutes on the couch to use your laptop. You know it's going to be two hours. Uh, second of <laughs> yeah. all, like uh, like Whitson was saying with those statistics, like on Battery University, you can see that like they stored four different laptops at four different temperatures for a year. And the one that was stored at zero degrees Celsius, like in the fridge, essentially was so much healthier than the one that they stored near like you know 100 degrees fahrenheit so that was really cool to learn too so yeah uh keep your laptop don't always charge it to 100 if you can stand to and also just like treat your laptop like a friend who gets overheated very quickly and all this all this applies for phone batteries too right yes obviously though they're harder it's harder to do that with a phone to live that right. life but you can try like you can definitely charge your phone to 80 percent if you've got like a nice new battery in it and you know you don't need 100 moving on the last piece of news we're going to talk about is function keys the dying top row of your keyboard most exciting topic so in the past 30 years of computing mm. so i wrote this post and i, I spent a couple paragraphs talking about uh, the model 2201 programmatic flexo writer. Yes. Made by Frieden. Frieden? Frieden. Mm. Uh, was released in 1965. And it was, it's, it's, I don't know if it's the very first, but um, I talked to Doug Jones, who's a computer science professor at the University of Iowa, and he believes that it's the first, one of the first um, computers with. Uh, programmable function keys right and it's not technically a computer he says that not it's like, technically a computer it's, it's like a typewriter it, but like it did punch tape and stuff too yeah but you could also plug it in and, and into like a computer terminal and oh okay yeah yeah um but yeah i spoke to him briefly about it uh, over email Unfortunately, he had no idea what the function keys were used for. <laughs> I'm very sad about this. Yeah. This is, 
this is extreme. That means essentially like that knowledge was lost. He, I mean, he seemed very knowledgeable about the device. I know, but like institutional memory wise, that means that like people who probably spent like years of their life learning how this thing worked, you know, like they're, they're just gone now and nobody will ever know how this weird thing really was used like day to day. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was like one of the biggest questions that I wanted answered was like, okay, this was like the first thing with function keys. How did like, what would, what would they be used for back in 1965? Yeah. And I mean, because that's the thing about function keys, right? Is that essentially like to this day, the question is like, what do function keys do? And the answer is like, anything is possible. Like they, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I've ever used them for their actual like intended purpose. Like well, ever since I was born in the late 80s, like never used them for what they were. I just would remap them to other stuff. Well, that's yeah. fine. That's how it worked on the the model 2201 programmatic. I mean, that's true. Whitson. Yeah. It had a plug board on the back and you would, you know do all sorts but of now we're also at the point where it's like now you can reprogram any keyboard shortcut you want to do anything like why would you move your hand all the way to this top row when you could keep your hands where they are and do like control q to quit instead of alt f4 which is the most ridiculous yeah. hand stretch i've ever heard someone want me to do well I've, and we're of course <laughs> operating systems are, are slowly moving towards doing that replacing function keys with like shortcuts Control all right, and so whatever. the impetus for this post was the fact that Apple has basically killed the function keys on all of their laptops. Like, there are no MacBooks left with function keys. Well, right? MacBook Air, MacBook Air still has function keys. Ah, okay. Uh, the MacBook Pro is no longer, uh, no longer has function keys. I forgot they released a new MacBook Air. Yeah, uh, that's After, like function a, keys. far too long. And they are they're a, they're like the secondary thing where like the the main glyph on the key is like you know brightness up, brightness down, volume yeah. mute. Yes. Well, that's and true. Most thing laptops get to have basically half killed them. <laughs> right. So then you have to hold down the function key and hit the thing to actually get the F one or F three or whatever yeah. that you need. Yep. Uh, the med the magic keyboard, the external keyboard that Apple sells, that still has function keys. Um, they're the Magic Keyboard with with the uh, numerical keypad has 19 function keys, which is insane. <laughs> right, like on the one hand, they're killing them. On the other hand, like they are enthusiasts. That does it for news this week. Uh, let's move on and answer some repair questions. All right. If you have if you have a repair question that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email them to repairradio at ifixit.com or tag us on Twitter. Our username is at ifixit and include the hashtag repairradio in your tweet. Your question can be anything repair related, whether it's how to fix something, tools you should buy, maintenance advice, or anything in between. Our first question comes from Witson himself. I have a question. <laughs> What's in you um, on the air? <laughs> first time listener, long first time caller. Um, oh, you you biffed that one. <laughs> you know, I did, but actually, then I realized this is my first time listening to this podcast. Oh, that's true. You did. You did holistically. Boom, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yep. Um, no, so this was like this is actually a question that I asked in the iFixit Slack, and it like turned into this whole thing. And so I thought I would kind of like pitch it to you guys and kind of talk about it on the show. And it's kind of a big like maybe kind of a philosophical question but i'm in a position where i have this phone this pixel 2 which i like a lot i wish it had wireless charging but alas um 
and its battery is probably below 80% health. Um, like, it's time to replace this battery. Clearly, I've been charging it to 100% too much. Um, the battery itself is not that expensive, but then, you know, you kind of add on, like, oh, I need these adhesives to replace the battery and, and stuff, and oh, then I also heard that the screen is so delicate on this phone that if you're going to replace the battery, like, you might also need to replace the screen. And the screen is much more expensive than the battery. So then we get to the point where it's like, okay, if this turns out to be like a hundred, $150 repair, um, at what point am I better off just like selling this device now with a weak battery and buying a, 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 another phone instead? Um, because, you know, it's one thing if you're replacing your iPhone battery for $30 with our fixed kit. It's another thing if the phone is, is not designed to be as repairable and is going to break. It is not designed to be that repairable. And you know what? The Pixel 2 actually got, still has a higher repairability score than most other phones. And this was partially what made the decision for me um, was that, well, I guess, I, I guess I'll talk about that in a sec. First, I want to get your opinions on this. All like, right, should, so I, should I replace the battery or just sell it and get another phone? Here's how I see it. I would compare it to the loose roll of thumb when it comes to car repairs where if the repair costs are half or more of what the car is currently worth, it's probably better just to get a new car. Um, but obviously that's like an extremely loose rule and it really depends. Okay. So I've heard a similar rule with computers where it's like basically, I mean, you calculate the original, take the original cost of the phone and how many years you would expect to get out of that device. Um, and if the cost of repairing gets you another, like, years worth of use or two years worth of use i mean does that make sense so if it's like if you have a uh uh, for sake of argument a thousand dollar phone and you expect it to last you three years you're paying approximately 333 dollars per year of use out of this phone and so if a battery even if i broke the screen and the repair costs 150 dollars and it gets me another year out of the phone that's still a crazy good deal yeah would you say that's a made up example would you say your phone is in mint, good, or fair condition? <laughs> Are you looking it up on Swappa? I've Maybe, already looked perhaps. it up on Swappa, and this okay. is where things get a little bit tricky. So my phone is, it's not mint, but it's good enough. I could probably get 200 bucks for it. Okay. Here's what's, and now buying a new phone would be a lot more expensive than that. Even if Unless I was you buying, want, like, like, a budget phone. Even yeah. if, yes, right. But what if I'm, bu- yeah, what if I am buying a budget phone, or more likely, what if I'm buying a used phone? Like, what if I was going to buy a used Galaxy S9 or something like that, which is only, like, you know, more than I would sell this phone for. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, buying the new phone would only cost me $100 if I sell this one, which is less than the repair on this one would cost. Like, that's crazy. But because nothing is easy, because nothing is easy, that S9 that you're buying is, like, less repairable than this Pixel is even down the road. And that was what ended up making the decision for me, I think, is once I started looking at the phones that I would buy, they were all less repairable than the Pixel 2. So essentially, I end up just kind of kicking the can down the road and saying like, well, if I buy a used S9, that means the battery's already gone through a year-ish of use, and I'm going to have to replace that battery in a year, right? Which means I'm going to have to work on a much harder phone to replace the battery, and it's going to take more time, possibly be more money if that screen's even more delicate. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. But that was kind of what killed it for me. It was like, if all the phones that I would buy are less repairable than this, and I'm going to have to end up doing a battery swap down the road anyway, it's probably not worth it. And I'm better off repairing this one and using it as long as I can. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point as far as um, 
how much longer you would use the phone. So like if if it if it breaks and the repair costs are high, but you would use that phone for another year or two, it's probably worth fixing. Yeah. And I think I bought this phone for three or four hundred dollars. So it probably it's I mean it probably evens out, like replacing the battery and this probably would get me another year out of the phone, maybe two, but because due to the nature of my job, I tend to need to be a little bit more up to date than that. I can't just keep a phone for a super long time if it stops getting and updates or whatever. I think though that also like you are writing off something that I think a lot of people wouldn't write off, which is that like I, I guess I know you pretty well, and the idea of having to redo your entire like phone, set up all your apps again, do a new like you know reorder <laughs> your home screen, sign into everything, like you know whatever, like to to a lot of people that would that's a hassle that like that's not something yeah. they enjoy. But unfortunately, you and me are sick Android uh, cultists. I don't. And we, I don't. We, don't, enjoy we don't, either don't mind it or just like even kind of enjoy it. I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. I'm pretty tired of it. But because I, like, occasionally review phones for a living or whatever, like, I've gotten pretty adept at doing it quickly. Also, I used to root my phone. So I used to have to factory reset it all the time when things, like, broke beyond (laughs) fixing. When when a a teenager in Estonia released a new version of Lineage OS and it just, like, ruined your ability to get Wi-Fi. And you're like, oh, darn. Um, So I had to do that a lot back then. So I did the Pixel 2 battery repair last weekend. And it like like the guide says, you read the guide. Uh, it's on iFixit, of course. Um, and you can do it. It's like the phone is. You can do this repair, but the the problem is that there is a screen that has to be delicately removed. Um, you don't need heat to do it, but you know you, you do have to like very carefully make sure you don't pick at the wrong parts of the screen. Well, I did um, end up buying the eye opener, so I have heat if I need it you are still going to need heat later on <laughs> because yeah. either. Yeah. Right. So like then there, you have to get the screen off very delicately, remove the display cable that is wants to die uh, and be injured. And then you have to remove the mid frame, which is the, you know, waterproof helping thing that covers all the internal components, but that's a pain in the butt. Cause you need some heat to remove that as well. And then you have to get the battery out from underneath two different cables and the battery is glued in which is always a monster move and nobody should ever do that again. But uh, you have to apply heat to the back of the phone to loosen it underneath the battery, unless you've got that 90% isopropyl alcohol hanging around, which you don't. Okay. So yeah, KK like mentioned this. KK, who is our, I don't actually know what her title is that I fix it, but she is. She's above us. Things. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. floating somewhere above um, us doing cool things. She, she mentioned that instead of using the eye opener for the battery glue, she just uses like alcohol or something. And he, yeah, there's actually the an adhesive remover under the battery if the battery's already glued to the phone. You can, I mean, basically use some so kind just, like, of dauber Q-tip and just kind of shove it under. Yeah, and then rotate the phone around. I ended up I have having alcohol. Which kind of alcohol? Like ninety-one percent isopropyl alcohol. You do? I work in tech, man. Okay, well that's kidding? cool. How much um, thermal paste have I had to remove in the past year? <laughs> I have isopropyl alcohol. <laughs> Gonna get you a T-shirt that says that. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I needed to use heat. I tried some alcohol, but like the thing is that you're prying at a soft pack lithium ion battery and that's dangerous. Like, you know, even when it's disconnected, uh-huh. if you puncture it, which you're not going to, you're you're totally gonna be fine, champ. Um, but it's it's still it's like it's nerve wracking because you're prying. I'm committed at to a doing battery. this, but you're making me more nervous. Uh, that's the purpose of this podcast is to encourage people to put down the screwdriver. Well, and here's the other thing. Three hours to replace a battery. 
yeah what's man. like i have to consider like what's my hourly rate at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i could i could write an article or you know two if they're short in that amount of time and get paid instead of just spending time on this like okay. i could write a couple I, extra articles and buy a new phone <laughs> okay let me let me just put this out there then to balance it though um i'm not a company man in this instance i'm just telling you like i actually weirdly enjoyed doing it like it's a project it's like a saturday afternoon i do too that's the project problem. and like you are you <laughs> when you do it you are scared when you finish it you are a powerful person you are you i feel like i need to do it just to Google. like did, i feel like this is my initiation for working at i fix it like i feel a, 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 a certain amount of shame not having replaced a battery in a phone yet in my life and i feel like in order to continue working here i have to do it so I'm going to do it twice. You were doing this, something on my iPhone seven. You were doing something that it seems like they really don't want you to do. And that's really cool. <laughs> I should actually probably do it on my iPhone seven first as like practice since that one's supposed to be significantly easier, right? Well, I, I guess too. riding your bike to the store to buy eggs is kind of like practicing for mountain biking. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll do the iPhone seven first. Good talk guys. Yeah. The next time on the podcast, I'll let you know if, so how it goes. If I'm not, you're going to do it though. That's that's where we landed. You're going to try. Oh this. no, I'm committed to doing it. Just okay. because, like, yeah. Once I realized that all of the other phones that I would upgrade to um, were less repairable or had other problems that I didn't want to deal with or were missing features that I wanted, it's like I'll just stick with this and wait for a phone that I actually am excited about comes out and then I'll upgrade. All right, I think we I think we answered that question. All right, that does it for this episode of Repair Radio. Again, if you have a question that you want answered on the podcast, you can email them to repairradio at ifixit.com or you tag us on Twitter. Our username is at ifixit and include the hashtag repairradio in your tweet. Please send in questions so I don't just ask questions every episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> normal normal people who don't test phones, <laughs> please send I'm going to start asking questions. some really dumb questions if you guys don't send in questions for next yes. week's episode. Yes. Oh, God. Consider that a warning. (laughs) You should hear some of the mundane stuff we talk about in in the slacks. Kevin, were you there for us talking about motion smoothing and TVs last week? Have a good week, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh